This is Metrics and Chill, where you'll learn practical strategies to drive consistent and predictable growth. In this episode, I got to chat with Blake Strazek, founder of Bull Media, to learn his three-step framework to running an efficient paid ads program. Blake has worked with all kinds of companies, ranging from smaller SMBs to Series D and pre-IPO, so he's really well-versed in this stuff, and you'll learn what steps to take in order to build and scale a profitable paid program, when you should and shouldn't run paid ads, what leading indicators to look for that it's working, what to expect at each stage of growth, and a ton more. I hope you enjoy it. Blake, welcome to Metrics and Chill. Super excited to have been introduced to you. Uh, like I said, I think that the topic we're going to be talking about today is timely. Um, so it's awesome to meet you and I'm looking forward to chatting today. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, likewise, Jim. I look forward to chatting. Um, okay. So for listeners, we're going to be covering a topic today. The concept is around a paid media framework that Blake has developed. Um, you've worked with quite a few B2B orgs. Um, it looks like you've worked with over 20 B2B orgs the past two years. You were at Refine Labs, which is something we might get into. Um, and basically, it's my interpretation, tell me, tell me if I'm summarizing this the right way, is there's not like a one-size-fits-all like paid media approach in B2B, right? You're dealing with companies that have different TAMs, different ICPs, like their unit economics, like one ACV might be like, you know, 10 X what another company like data boxes is. Um, and so you came up you worked on a framework that could be adaptable to just about any B2B company and help them find a paid media approach that was going to be profitable, yield good ROI for them. And that's what we're going to be breaking down. I love it because like I said, I'm not sure release timing, what'll come up, but You've worked with Sam, his episode probably by now will, you know, will have been out when listeners hear this. And he talked about in 2023, you know, the dreaded conversation of like, uh, double your results with half the budget. And I feel like one of those things that gets put under the microscope is paid media. So I'm excited to learn about your framework and, you know, get ideas for Databox and, and for our listeners. So, um, I guess to kick it off summarize for us, like, what's the main concept? You've got the like th- kind of three broad steps in your approach. Can you walk us through them? Yeah, for sure. Um, and no, this is really, really timely. So, you know, just like a quick little bit of context, you know, like I've, yeah, I've been working in B2B past uh, four years, uh, worked for Refine Labs, a great agency, um, just about two years ago that I've also worked like in-house most recently. I was at like a series D, um, series D startup that was like pre-IPO. And like, regardless of where I was, whether I was working at Refine Labs at that startup or like now, like in kind of like the consulting slash agency work I do now, this is a question that's on like every team's mind, whether it's like the CEO, the VP of marketing is like, how do we get that paid media more efficient? And so really what I've seen, like you said, Jeremiah, it's like three main steps because in B2B, there's so much nuance that you have to see it as like a framework, not a playbook. And I think like the biggest thing is like, number one, it's fundamentals not super sexy or groundbreaking, but it's just like, what are the fundamentals of our company that are going to like help shape our paid approach? So that's like understanding, do we have a large market? So is this like, you know, we're selling to all SMBs. There's like 33 million small businesses in the US. Like, are we selling to all of those? Or are we selling to 1500 target accounts that are a great fit for what we do? And we can't really sell to anyone else. So it's like understanding your fundamentals is definitely step number one. And there's some other things we can unpack in there. Step two is then once you have a really good understanding of your fundamentals, then you have to figure out for the paid side, how to get from zero to one. 
right? So ideally, before you have that zero to one going unpaid, you have inbound coming through your website. So you won't always have this, but you have inbound coming through your website and you at least have another program or two that is already yielding results. So whether that's an outbound program, whether that's a partner program, you need to have like some foundational pieces in place because you can't go from zero to one in B2B like e-com, right? Like an e-commerce store, I could go spin it up, get like, you know, start drop shipping, spin up some ads and go zero to one. You can't do that in B2B. And we could talk about why you can't there. Uh, so step one, fundamentals. Step two, you got to go from zero to one. And then step three, once you go from zero to one, you've like said like, hey, LinkedIn is a channel we have found that is working or Google search ads is a channel we found that is working. You have to figure out how do you scale that up and how you do it efficiently. Because like you talked about in that episode with Sam, everybody in 2023, especially in the second half this year, is being asked, how do we hit our H2 goals with less budget after our reforecast? And so like uh, we could talk about some methods, you know, using some tracking, if you have like HubSpot Marketo, using your CRM, um, just different ways to do that efficiently. But it's really get your fundamentals in place, go from zero to one. And then once you figure out what's been working, figure out how to scale that up efficiently. Okay. I love this. I love clear frameworks. I'm a huge fan. It's one of the, uh, it's one of the things I think refine is underrated at. It's like they're popularized for so many reasons, but the, but the frameworks that anyone from the refined mafia, you know, including yourself seems to come away with is this really like clear framework approach. So love the thinking on this. Um, I was furiously jotting down notes that I'll, I'll, uh, I'll try and circle around with you. So let's, so, okay. On the first step, um, what are the things here? So you have like TAM, ICP, unit economics, company maturity, category maturity, and your go-to-market motion. So, so I, so you're saying like depending on how broad or narrow the people that you're trying to reach is, your TAM or your ICP is, uh, your ACV, how long sales cycles take, how much runway you have from from venture capital. Um, how, company maturity. So I guess what existing brand recognition or trust there is, you know, for you in, in the industry. Um, and then your go-to-market motion. So like, you know, Databox has product-led and sales-led. Other people are just product-led. Other people are just sales-led. All that is going to be like in this first step. Are there things that if a listener is listening right now and they're hearing those things listed out, you know, you've seen, I think one of the cool things is you've gotten to see like you said, a wide variety of B2B companies, which means I know that when you are exposed to that level of diversity, you're able to like pick out the truisms that are true across everything. Is there anything that's going to either be like a green flag or a red flag here for listeners? Like if they're going through this list, is there anything that sticks out to you that if a company were to come to you and, you know, I'm thinking it's either too broad of a TAM or not a refined enough ICP or, maybe like the runway is really short or they're, um, you know, depending on like CAC or CAC payback or like their ACV is like really low. Like, you know, if they're averaging $150 a month, is there anything in this first foundational stage that if a listener was hearing you would say, Hey, you know what, if these things are true of you, it might be a non-starter to, to do paid at first or, you know, in, uh, conversely, if these things are true of you, like things are probably pretty solid. It's a great question because I think the biggest thing, so it's been interesting, like when people approach me, it's typically because they either see a gap in their like current pipeline projections or like, well, we need to fill that gap with a new program. We haven't done paid. Let's do that. 
or they're growing really well, which is this is the ideal scenario. They're growing really well, but they're like, you know, looking at like, what's our next big unlock, right? So they're already hitting their goals okay. and then they need to figure out their next big unlock. So I think if I was going to like give listeners actual things that I've seen to take away, ACV is huge uh, when it comes to paid, because basically when you go into a paid program, you need to know as a marketing team and align with like the rest of your team, whether that's finance, whether that's the executive team, how much are we willing to pay to acquire a new customer? Because the answer is always like as cheap as we can. And that's just not a realistic answer because obviously we all want, you know, uh, customer acquisition costs to be as low as possible. But really like if you can like set out from the beginning and say, hey, we're a $50,000 ACV tool and we're willing to pay $40,000 in year one to acquire a customer because we know that on average, this is like an enterprise level deal. They'll stick around two to three years. We'll make it back with our margin profile. It's really important to know that because that just determines what channels you can advertise on, how you measure it, and how you look at short and long-term success. Because like, I'll give two really good examples or really, I guess, relevant ones. Um, low ACV typically doesn't work on LinkedIn. I know like uh, there's a lot of great content from some creators on LinkedIn. Like Justin Rowe is fantastic. He has so much expertise on like LinkedIn ads. And like, um, he'll like have a lot of stuff there around like LinkedIn advertising. And I know it works really well for like his agency. Um, but when it comes to like software and stuff, I found it like pretty challenging to have low ACV products work well on LinkedIn, unless it's like a sales marketing or HR tool. And I just don't have a lot of experience in those industries, but like, those are the personas that are really relevant on LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, when you're outside of that, and you're like, uh, two examples is like one, I was selling to nonprofits, helping market that software. Another is like to the hotel industry, helping market that software. We were marketing on LinkedIn, seeing some good early signals, but the math wasn't quite working out, right? Like we were acquiring leads for too expensive, like cost per lead. And we just like, didn't have it where they were translating down funnel enough. So like going from like just a cost per lead to an opportunity to close one. So we might be selling a $1,500 tool but the, you know, close one uh, customer acquisition costs like $3,000. So it's going to take two years to pay back that close one opportunity. So like those are like two really recent relevant examples where it's like we're doing things on LinkedIn, seeing some early signals, but one, not seeing the scale we needed and two, not seeing the payback period that we needed. And so because of that, um, we had to transition our efforts to like Facebook ads and see like how can we make that work with the TAM on Facebook because we have lower costs and while we have... Uh, you're not as good targeting, that's like the channel we're going to have to figure out to make work. So, you know, I think like there's a lot of things in that first step, but like ACV is a huge one. And then again, like go to market motion is important too. So like knowing, are we a sales led motion? And like, are we expecting, you know, to see the conversion point either be through a website demo request or through an outbound sales activity? Or are we expecting that to be more on like the product led side with like data box where it's like, Hey, I'm going to sign up for a trial and we're looking at our cost per trial. And then of those cost per trials, we're looking at, okay, who actually activates to a paying customer looking at that funnel. So there's a lot of things to unpack okay. in the fundamentals, but it's really just like know your business to understand what math is going to work out for you from the get go. And is this something that you are, are you taking like 500 bucks and kind of like testing to see 
what cost per click is going to be like on the platform and kind of doing the math from there, estimating X conversion rate? Or is this like before you even get into the ads manager step one, like you're going through these things on paper and you're kind of like, we, you know, either ruling yourself in or out depending on the, if these foundations are there. Yeah. So I, I definitely think it's, you need to have that uh, conversation before you even like get into the ads manager of like understanding, like, what do we want to acquire to, you know, what do we want to pay to acquire a customer? what like where are we at for like these different like signals so like basically what we do is we kind of like go through an icp questionnaire with clients and then from there and from that understanding of like hey who are you selling to how big is the market what's your like sales cycle length what's your average acv um that's then where we determine like okay we think this channel might be a good fit like to give a really concrete example um working with a client right now they sell to financial advisors and then they also sell to just like smb business owners and so for the financial advisors it's, gonna, it's a larger ACV deal because they could have multiple clients sell to. We're going to test out LinkedIn from the get-go. For the SMBs, we're going to just test uh, Facebook from the get-go because they're only around that $2,500 ACV uh, mark. And so like that's a conversation you have from the beginning, and then you go out and prove the hypothesis. Or Got it. Okay. Okay. Um, and then is there anything for like, what I'm thinking is, uh, you know, I know listeners take various perspectives on like the create versus capture demand thing. Right. So where, however you feel about the name, cause I know I've read people that are even in our audience, like on different sides of the aisle here. Um, however people feel about the name, the idea of certain platforms being sure signs of intent to purchase today or very soon versus platforms like Facebook, where you have zero, like, yeah, they're your right person. Right. But you have no idea whether they're in market or not. And they're probably not. Um, same, you know, same thing with LinkedIn. Is that dictating your approach at all? Like, are you, how, how does, how does that factor in if at all in this early stage, when a, when a company comes to you or a listener is going to try and DIY this framework themselves? Um, how, how do they factor in like, yeah, we were, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, we're going to definitely reach our, our people, maybe in a more targeted way, maybe like in a more detailed way than we could with Google. Um, but it's not going to be, we have no guarantee of intent versus like, okay, it's time for a Google sure sign of intent, but a little bit less idea of who we're reaching. No, that's a great question. Yeah. I, I think, you know, like, uh, Chris and the refined team have just like done a great job of like, uh, you know, breaking it down to like this, like create and capture. I think those are really two good buckets to look at it as. And I think in terms of like the capture demand side, like looking at levels of intent, definitely a great place to start. So I think the only like caveat I'll add for the capture demand side is like, it goes back to that fundamentals, right? Where it's like, we need a mature category, right? Or something where it's like, people know what they're looking for. So if somebody's looking for, you know, a nonprofit fundraising tool, like that has known search volume, that's something you can go after, right? But if someone like, you know, say, I think, uh, uh, you know, with listeners to this show, a lot of them will be familiar with like metadata and their platform. That's a platform where it's like kind of a whole new thing. And they were trying to create a new category and like a marketing operating system, all those different things. There's not a whole lot of people searching for what that is because they don't know it yet, right? They don't know it could right. be possible. And so like, if you're going to go and like capture demand, you have to say like, one, are people searching for what we're looking for? Or are they searching for something that's adjacent to what we're looking for? And the second is like, uh, you know, other areas to look at would be like, you know, a review sites like Captera is a great one to start for a lot of software companies if they have a clear category that they belong in. 
So if you see those signs, I would definitely start there as well, because that's where like people are looking. The challenge that you are going to run into is that those are typically still going to be high cost. Like we still try that with all of our clients, but because they're looking in search for the category, typically they don't have any like brand affinity to what's already out there. So even though you might win it at like the demo, and so you get a $700 cost per demo, the opportunity math doesn't always work out depending on the category, but so much is dependent on like, you know, what space you're in. So it's definitely worth testing for most companies and a great place to start. And I would imagine a lot of these things fit hand in hand. Like if you work with a client, you might be leveraging something like Facebook or LinkedIn purely to drive brand awareness and some affinity for the brand or like like at least putting them maybe as a market leader in people's minds so that if you do simultaneously run Google, they're at least maybe jumping the short list of other competitors. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's an ecosystem, like no channels in isolation. It's really like, and it, this is even beyond paid, right? Like marketing is an ecosystem. So when you yeah. have like paid, you have content, but you also have partnerships, you have events, all of that works together. It's not like this, like we like to segment and silo based on like attribution, but it really is everything working together. But directly to your point and paid specifically, it's the channels working together. Hey, just a quick interruption. In past episodes, you've heard guests give advice like, the first step is just like actually measuring and monitoring, right? Which sounds very fundamental, but a lot of companies don't even do that, right? If you ask for like, hey, do you have a monthly kind of report of like, what's happening in the funnel? It's like, oh, well, we have this over here and we have this over here and we have the traffic data and GA. So the first thing I think is like build out, you know, a presentation uh, that you're updating every single month. Or it's way easier if you have all this stuff being centralized somewhere and can look at it. And I promise that's completely unprompted. We try to book smart B2B leaders and learn how they're driving more predictable growth. And they end up sharing advice like that. And Databox makes it easy to do all of that and more. You can track your marketing, sales, revenue, and CS performance all in one place. It lets you build custom dashboards and view metrics from over 80 tools side by side. You can schedule PDF reports that automatically update your data in real time and send to your team or your clients. You can even set up custom Slack alerts that alert you when you hit your goals or when numbers spike or dip. If you want to try it totally free, just go to databox.com or click the link in the show notes. Okay, back to the episode. Okay. Awesome. All right. So in this first step, basically, you know, a, a listener working through this framework is considering, okay, who do we want to reach? Who's who's our target market? Who's our ICP? How how refined is that or broad is that? I'm guessing the is the is it generally true that the more refined they can be with that, the better their ad results are going to be. Not necessarily like lowest cost, but the more hyper targeted or more relevant they're able to be in their messaging and their creative. Yeah, you yeah. So generally, like you want to have a really good feel of like who you're targeting. And then yeah, you want to get as tight as you can on the messaging. I'll say on the ad side, especially if we're looking at paid social, it's a balance, right? Like obviously your market is your market. You can't increase or decrease that. Like obviously you can like change a couple of things, but like if you're selling to the Fortune 1000 VP of analytics, there's only a thousand of those, right? So you can't change that. So you want to be as targeted as you can with, but having as much breadth as you can. So like not just focusing on decision makers, but also focusing on like influencers in the buying committee. You want to like toe that line. So keeping your messaging as specific as possible, but also not being too narrow where you're only reaching such a small segment of your audience. 
you want to keep it as broad as possible that you can within those narrow constraints. So to answer your question, toe in the line for both, Jeremiah. Okay. All right. Love it. Um, okay. So you're, you're identifying who you want to reach. Um, then you're going to review, like you said, the unit economics, you know, what's our ACV? What can we afford? What, what are we willing to pay to acquire a customer effectively? Um, and to see if, if any of these platforms even make sense. And then you're somewhat considering like, are we going to count these? How are we going to be able to track these? If it's product-led growth, are we going to be able to track signups? If it's sales-led growth, um, and then I guess my last question here is, is there anything on the company maturity or category? So you touched on category maturity. If you're doing a demand capture play like Google search, um, where there's high intent, there needs to be known, your category needs to be known and there needs to be exist existing search volume. Um, and then to the degree that your company is mature and known, you're just going to see benefit because you're going to stand out above others. So let's say they've gone through this first step they kind of have a rough idea of what they're willing to pay. They know who they want to reach. Now, what does step two look like? We're going to go from zero to one. What's everything kind of entailed in that? Yeah. So yeah, once you get that fundamentals, those fundamentals in place, then step two is that you're going to then uh, create some different hypotheses and say, okay, we think this channel is going to work because of X, because of this inside of our buyer. Here's the messaging type of content, type of offers we're going to put in front of them, whether that's on social or search you know, look at keywords or audience on social, and then you go out and you run your tests. And so uh, the big thing here is that you're not looking to just like prove what you want to happen. You're looking to prove what's actually happening. Cause this is something I've been like guilty of in the past. And I've really like tried to work to become better at it where just because you want an experiment to work out, doesn't mean it's going to work out. Right. So like you have to like launch your different programs, right? So whether it's on paid social, it's like, hey, we're going to launch these couple of different types of content to our target audience. And then we're going to establish these benchmarks for tracking. So we're going to say like, okay, we're going to look at um, overall inbound volume. We're going to look at, um, you know, leads that have a last touch of paid social if they come in that way. And if they're tagged, we're going to look at, you know, this lead gen experiment that we're running on paid social, what they're doing down the funnel. And really just like looking at it objectively, and using like your data and your CRM. So like we use HubSpot with a lot of companies. So, um, so like looking at your data and HubSpot and seeing how are these performing once they talk with our sales team or how is our overall inbound volume uh, doing over the period when we've been running this experiment. So it's really like you set your experiments, um, you see how they are down funnel and you try to start to see signals of what's working and what's not. And so I think the biggest challenge for most companies here is the time lag. So this can like, mm. you know, the first 90 days, that's when most experiments get killed or most new programs get killed at the end of 90 days. And um, at least in my experience. And so it's really about establishing like, okay, if we have a sales cycle that is six months or nine months, like an enterprise sale, we probably need to be running this program for a significant amount of time. Like 90 days is probably too short to see if this program is going to work or not. So um, right. I touch on a couple of things there, but it's really about like set up your experiments, so whether that's your search experiments, your keywords you're going to go after, or your social experiments, different types of content and offers you put out, and then tracking like the success of those uh, in your CRM. And so when we say zero to one, what is one? Is one like basically early signals that this is going to work? Like, is is one like we're getting enough visitors to the website or enough demos booked? Or is one like 
we're closing deals from this program. We've only closed a couple maybe, but or like we've gotten a couple signups, but they're coming in at the right price point. They seem to be the right fit. They're closing at the right rate. Like how, like where is one on this zero to one thing? It's a great question. So one looks different based on the company you're at. So I'll give like two examples. So like if you're a high velocity SMB sale, you can see one a lot quicker quicker and like closed one deals, right? Like uh, for the example I said earlier about like LinkedIn and like the hotel uh, payment space, we could see those deals typically close within 30 days, right? We could say like, hey, we spent this on ads. These guys came in, they became an opportunity. These closed one, these closed lost. And you see that within 30 to 45 days. But if you're an enterprise sale where you've got 1500 target accounts, you're going after them and you have a six month sales cycle. And typically the tar- uh, companies you're targeting are in like multi-year agreements with their current providers. That's a lot, that's a much different one that you're looking for. That might be like you're looking for those inbound demo requests to tick up. You're looking at increased effectiveness of outbound to those target accounts that you're also targeting with sales outreach. It could look like a couple different things. So it's either velocity SMB typically is like pipeline to close one. Um, you know, like more enterprise sales, it's more like demo requests and early stage pipeline is that one you want to look at before you think about scaling it up. Okay. Okay. Um, and then and then, yeah, so so one will look a little bit different, but you're generally looking for like, you want to have a pretty good idea of that, that you can generate revenue from this program. However, it might be a couple, it might be a lot depending on, on your position and that they're coming in at the right price point that it's going to be sustainable. You That, that if it continues to scale uh, or multiply at its current rate, you're going to be getting the lead, you're getting the deals at what you were willing to pay for them in step one. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I'll say, um, I think I get an important call out. So like search, you'll typically, at least in my experience, it scales differently than social. So social really compounds. So your first initial couple of deals might actually be pretty inefficient when you look at like pipeline dollars to spend. But then as you build it up over time, over six, nine, 12, 15, 18 months, right? Like you start to see those efforts compound because you're starting to get into more consideration cycles for more of your audience. And so that's typically more on like the larger, longer sales cycle side. But like social is very much a compounding game in the same way content is, where it's like you're getting that consideration cycle. Search, on the other hand, it's really just like, I think that's more black and white or more objective of like, hey, they come in, typical sales cycle length, typical pipeline, like you kind of see that depending on, again, search volumes. Now in this, I guess my last question in, in this stage, um, how much, especially on social, right? So I'm just thinking for listeners sake, like if I'm going to Google search, it, it's fairly clear, right? Like a tool like Databox, maybe people are searching for reporting. Maybe they're searching for benchmarking solutions. Maybe they're searching for dashboards, right? And like maybe forecasting. Um, those are some options we could try and rank for, or like there may be just be like a a bigger, much more high volume thing that we're just known for and we get in front of. But then I'm thinking like, if we were to test zero to one on, you know, LinkedIn, like this stage two on LinkedIn or, or on Facebook or something, um, when we start to see these things come in, do you often advise people like test different types of messaging or like intent with the ads? Like I would imagine some of it is like, you know, just to share a couple like hypothetical examples off the top of my head, we could run one that's like uh, a recurring message to our target audience on LinkedIn of like what pains we solve. Uh, And then we could run one around like a couple 
logos that they'll recognize that are using us to like build trust. And then like, I would imagine there's like some danger in expanding those types of creative or those types of messaging too fast here. So what kinds, I know this is a really broad question, but you know, what kinds of ads are they running in step two? Like, is this kind of, I guess, especially for social, is this really like, yeah, eventually in stage three, when we're going to one to 100, there's going to be like a broad spectrum, but in stage two, you really want to stay focused on what, like the pains that you solve, like your tag, like your go-to-market tagline in one sentence, like, what are we looking at here? Yeah, no. And I mean, I've really gotten a lot of my inspiration for this in just like, uh, you know, working like Refine Labs. And I think Justin Rowe and like the Impactful team have a great retargeting framework that uh, we utilize as well, um, snippets of it. So really we break it down. Like we have like our retargeting content and then we have like our prospecting cold content. So really what we're looking for on the retargeting side is a mix of different content. So we'll run like uh, case studies. So like we run those like for in-feed consumption. So it's like, you know, what other companies uh, like you have done with our product and the uh, outcomes they've achieved. So case studies, testimonials, um, we'll run uh, some like product messaging as well, like in our like retargeting layer of like, hey, here's an ungated demo or hey, here's you know a couple of things you can do with the product and just like tie those to value props. So we'll run like social proof is big. We'll run like product ads. We'll run those in both like retargeting and the cold layer. Um, and then outside of that, like we just like, we'll vary, like we'll try a couple different offers as well. So one thing that we test out with uh, almost all of our clients is we actually will actively test lead gen alongside demand gen content. And okay. so the reason for that is that some companies like that have large TAMs and high velocity sales cycles, lead gen can work, right? And so like what we want to do is we want to have first party data saying, will this work for our market or not? Right. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, if we're going to say, say we're targeting SMBs with like a 401k plan, right? Like say like that's just a hypothetical. If there's 33 million small businesses in the US, say like 10 million of them might be in like the market we might be going after. So if we like think about like, you know, the idea that 5%, you know, one to 5% of our market is in market and like 95% is out of market. If you have a really big pool of prospects, that 5% is a lot of people, right? Off of 10 million, I can't do like math really well top of my head. I think that's like 500K or something like that of like how many people that would be. So like, I guess bringing it back here to the specific, like how people can use this. If you have a large market that you have a lot of people that could potentially be in market, it's definitely worth testing out like lead gen alongside those demand gen content pieces, right? So I'm um, going back to like types of content though, retargeting, test out social proof, product ads, um, test out some like lead gen as well. And then on the prospecting side, um, different types of like content. So like get awareness of like your brand position you mm -hmm. as like a thought leader, as well as like the product content, like what you can do with the product have been like the two uh, most successful types of content that we add. So it's really a mix and it's a lot of testing, but if you're going to start, start with social proof, product ads, some of your highest performing content that's organic. And then also test like different lead gen offers if it makes sense for like your market and how big it is. Got it. And and then this is super helpful and clear. And then my only other question is, is that are you should companies consider testing those varieties of formats you just laid out in step two or should they wait till step three? So I think step two, because okay. uh, typically what we like will find is that like, yes, you should be like doing demand gen. Yes, we'll test out some different lead gen motions. But you have to like find like what's working, right? Because like the scale for the step three from going to one to a hundred, 
getting to one is like the biggest piece. And so what we like to do is like test multiple things to try to get to that one. And so that's like the different types of demand gen content, different types of lead gen offers. Because if we find like some demand gen content is working, let's roll with that. But we also find, hey, this lead gen offer works really well for this vertical or for this market. Let's also try to scale that up as much as possible too. So it's a mix. Okay. Of okay. Where, uh, where, where do most people go wrong on this stage? I would imagine killing the program too early. You've probably had clients that you're like, oh, if you guys would just let it go a little bit longer. Like we, I think we could have seen good results. Like what are some mistakes people make when, when they're doing stage two? Yeah. So I think like a couple of big things that come to mind. Um, one is, yeah, killing programs early. Um, because yeah, I think the biggest thing that I see is that like, you know, like sales, and this is not like a marketing or sales thing. It's very much alignment, but like, you know, you bring in a new sales rep or a new enterprise sales rep. That's typically a six to 12 month ramp time for an enterprise sales rep. Right. And like, you need to give your marketing program a six to 12 month ramp time. If you're an enterprise, if you're selling enterprise deals, right? Like that's just like, that's a thing that doesn't happen very often because we expect this dollar and dollar out when it doesn't quite work that way, especially on like longer sales cycle enterprise SMB, it can more, but you know, that depends. So one thing is yeah, ramp time for program. The second is alignment with sales. So marketing can be bringing in higher quality leads, or they might be testing out these different lead gen programs. But if you're not aligned with sales, especially on the lead gen side, you're not never going to see that program succeed. Right. So one thing that we'll uh, test out with a lot of clients is we'll test out like an incentive offer, whether it's like a product incentive or like a, a gift card incentive. We'll test that out with clients and ones that have had success with that and generating like qualified pipeline have tight alignment with their sales team and they have a smooth follow up process. Ones that don't see those leads go anywhere are ones where like they get a call three days afterwards because we don't have a good workflow or SLA set up with the sales team. So, um, you know, biggest thing is ramp time. Second thing is like sales alignment. And then like the, I guess if I had to like narrow down to like a third thing where, you know, people go wrong in the strategy, it's um, thinking that we had step one figured out when really we didn't, right? Like if you, uh, you know, you go into step two thinking, oh, mm. we know our market, we know our messaging, we know all this, but then you go into paid and you realize maybe we didn't know that as well as we thought we did. That comes back to bite you in step two where you think you have a solid foundation, but in reality, like maybe you just had a really big channel referral partner that drove growth for your market and that you really don't know your messaging as well as you thought you did, which is not a knock on the marketing teams that are trying to implement this, but just like the reality that comes with implementing programs like this. Yeah, I would imagine that would be a big one if they're pretty early, like if it's a fairly early stage company and just some, you know, rabid early adopters are in there and like, they just think like, you know, yeah, these are the pain points and this is what the market thinks of us. And it's like, you've really maybe been getting feedback from a niche that you didn't know and the rest of the market displays, you know, feels quite different about it. So yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. All right. Stage three, um, before we get into like what happens in stage three, stage three, you said is going from, if stage two is going from zero to one, stage three is going from one to 100, uh, stage, you know, one is a couple or more closed deals proving in stage two that you're going to be able to do this profitably at the price you wanted to define for me, what's 100. Like when we talk about 100, does this just mean like, what do you mean when you say that are, are the programs like humming along fully at scale, fully mature, you're now like running growth plans off these. Cause it's just pure reverse engineering the math. Like what is, what does 100 mean to you? 
Yeah, 100 definitely means seeing like how are we like maximizing the channel? Because I mean, there's a lot of room to get to 100, but it's saying like, for example, a good idea in search is like, are we going after all different keywords that we can? Are we maximizing search impression share for all these different keywords? Like, are we at the most scale we could possibly be, right? Like, I mean, and that's like a multi-year process. And typically like you can almost never reach infinite, like you can almost never reach the ceiling. Like, or I guess most teams probably don't. But there are like instances, like I'm working with a really uh, mature search account right now where like it's been running for three years. We kind of know like, hey, we're going to get X amount of pipeline dollars each quarter from search. And we've like tried a bunch of different experiments, but we're pretty much like at the ceiling. So we're really going deep into social to try to expand on that. So really a hundred is saying like, you know, we're consistently getting pipeline at an acceptable cost from this channel, from like our overall program. Um, and just like having that continue to operationalize and that at scale. So you like continue to feed it. And then it's like building new programs on top of that, like outside of paid, but specifically for paid, it's consistent pipeline at a acceptable cost. And especially like looking at the closed one revenue standpoint. Love it. Okay. Okay. Makes a ton of sense. Um, so what, what's happening here? So we've, we've left stage two. If I'm a sales-led org, I've closed five deals at a pretty healthy price point for me that I'm happy with. This, you know, LinkedIn or Google or the combo or something are showing, you know, good signs. Now, what are we doing to get to this third stage? What's happening here that's unique? Yeah, I think like what's happening here that's unique is that like you know, you know, what got you from zero to one. So we know like, hey, these keywords have worked, or like these types of content have worked, or you know, like these. Um, this webinar program or event program that we have has worked. So, you know, like within paid, what you're promoting is working. So it's about doing more of it, right? And doing like in different mediums, right? So if you know, for example, that like um, promoting a specific content type, like there's a great example where it was a company uh, when I was at Refine that was targeting the call center space, case studies started to crush it for them, right? Because they could show like, hey, companies made this investment in our uh, software, we help them achieve this result. And this is the return on investment they saw. And so for us, it's figuring out, okay, you're targeting eight verticals. One vertical has seen a lot of success there. How do we do this across multiple verticals so that every vertical is seeing a case study at all times or that every Got vertical it. is seeing this, you know? So it's like doing more of what's working and expanding either more within that market or if you have different verticals within different verticals, typically. Okay, awesome. So- if there's five verticals, we got one humming along. We're not going to see if we can get the other four humming along, maybe one at a time. Or if we're if we're pretty limited on SMBs generally, um, and we've seen good success with like product and case studies, we're going to maybe, maybe test new product languaging. Like we're going to test new messaging and see if we can do you know five, ten variations, or if new creative resonates with them even more. And we're going to be basically seeing like, are there other ad media like or or ad messaging or creative or anything that drives the price down or helps us do this more efficiently and i would imagine if it's something like google and maybe like our primary keyword we're doing really well for but now we're going to start like we've got this product page you know that you hover over and there's these features or these tools that are in our product and now we're going to try and go for some smaller search volume of like specifically mapping to our specific uh features or pro you know the the, the individual product uh tools that are within our product. And we're going to see if we can max that out. So you're, you're basically saying, okay, this has worked really well. These one, two, three types of ads that you laid out in stage two have worked really well. How can we put more spend, 
test more messaging, test different types of creative, or show them to different people and expand who's who's consuming them. 100%. Yeah. Like on social, it's really about like, do we expand our creative or expand our audience? And then on search, it's really like, you know, do we uh, become more efficient with our current efforts? So do we improve our landing page or ad copy, those different things? Or do we expand out like our keywords that we're going after? And then like across all of it, there's also like, you know, like different like settings and different like objectives, like different technical things in the platforms you can try. Those typically tend to be more incremental aside from like search. You know, if you do some of that, like smart bidding, you can kind of see more gains there, but that's really just getting more efficient. So yeah, it really is, I think to summarize, social expand your creative or expand your audience on search you either get more efficient or expand uh, the keywords you're going after okay awesome this is awesome um i would imagine most companies who reach stage three you're kind of doing this for a while like you said you could kind of be at this for a couple of years and or and really you could never know if you could fully like i would i would guess more on social than google maybe but like there's just endless combinations of messaging, creative and like niche targeting. Cause even if you do have one market, you could technically like, if it, even if it is something like SMBs, you could like do niche campaigns to different types of SMBs to make them feel like you see them more clearly or something, or you, your product is more for them, even if it's like a, a broad product. So I would imagine once you get this up and running, it's kind of running and being, it has the ability to be improved in perpetuity. Yeah, I mean, it is like a thing where, you know, as you get it up and running, typically, like a lot of companies will start like to have a consultant or an agency, like help them get this process off the ground. Then if it's like really running, they'll bring on an in-house person to either own it or they'll have a larger agency with more resources. And then as they get bigger and bigger, typically they dedicate more uh, resources in-house. So it's like you have either channel specialists or you have like a couple different, you know, um, uh, specialists like on a team. And then you might bring on even additional agency resources to help those specialists. So it really like does grow. It starts small, you prove it out. And then as you grow, the natural progression is, yeah, you have more and more resources you can dedicate to it. So like you said, you can get more segmented. You can spend more time analyzing the data. You can spend more time doing more experiments. That's kind of like the natural flow of progression there. Okay. How much do you see, uh, I've got one more question on the framework, and then I want to go back to something you said in the very sure. uh, first intro you gave. Um, how much do you see, like, I, I I hear this narrative of like, when big market shifts happen, that these ad prices shoot up because bigger players enter the market. Like, but I'm curious, like, how often is that actually true? Like, is could you be, could a company like Databox or, you know, a fully like B2B sales led enterprise product be running ads, be in stage three, working on, on making them even more efficient and they're really humming along and all of a sudden like something shifts like if you ever see major dramatic shifts that these companies get priced out eventually like and eventually yield diminishing returns or or is is that generally like not something that happens um i mean it definitely like happens in terms of like um like we don't do a whole lot of like monitoring like cpms like we probably should do a better job to be honest so, like monitoring like cpms different ad costs across the board cost per click on google stuff like that i will say in terms of like diminishing returns though like that is something that happens especially for like mature programs um cuz i think what happens sometimes is uh, especially you know just like in house i know this happened but like if you come from a background where say at a prior company or two Google search ads might've been a great channel and you might be in the same uh, vertical. So you might need, say your cybersecurity, you know, VP of marketing, and then you're, you know, now a new, you know, VP of marketing at this new cybersecurity company. 
Google ads might've been a good uh, strategy for you two companies to go, but you know, costs do change, consumer habits do change. So it's really about staying on top of your market and making sure that like, we're not just leaning on an old playbook, but we're just adapting our framework, understanding our market and saying like, Hey, are they still buying this way? Or has this shifted some, um, you know, like how people buy today is probably not the same how they bought in 2017. Or if you're in an industry, some people buy the same way that they bought in 2009 as they do today. Like sometimes it hasn't shifted. So I think like market shifts definitely, yeah, do impact like advertising, um, but also to just like your market shift in terms of like how they buy also impacts your advertising efforts. Okay. Okay. Awesome. All right. My last question before we get to some rapid, uh, some, some uh, rapid fire round questions in the beginning, you were saying one of the, one of the key tenants here is that before anyone goes through this, they've got to be getting some inbound from somewhere else on the website. So before they consider paid, it's not like e-com you pointed out that like, you know, you could spin up a, a direct to consumer what like whatever brand and start running some ads. Um, and you said they've got to, it's good for them to have some inbound to have one, maybe two other channels that's kind of generating some results. Um, and that they can't kind of just jump, you said like zero to one. Can you unpack that a little bit or explain like wh- why why is that? Like if someone's listening and they're a fairly new product, it's like probably really tempting to like maybe skip the first like marketing hire or skip a couple other hires and just be like, well, yeah, if I just allot this salary money to LinkedIn, can I just like close a lot more accounts? Can I scale faster? What's the danger there? Yeah, I mean, so this straight comes from like testing this out with like a couple of clients. Like, um, you know, like when I went out full time, we took on a couple of clients that they didn't have any inbound from their site. And I was like, okay, well, we'll still give this a shot. And like what we just saw in running the tests is that um, it really kind of goes back to like company strategy, right? Where it's like, you know, if you have like no inbound right now and you're just like winning off of like referrals or founder led sales and just like word of mouth, well, then it like goes back to like your company strategy. Like, are you positioned correctly? Mm-hmm. Do you have like the right pricing? Do you have the right packaging? Do you really know the messaging that's resonating if you just want off of referrals? And so like, those are the things that like, typically it's an indicator that the other foundational pieces aren't in place. And when you have those foundational, uh, you know, components in place, that's when you typically start to see either like the inbound is working or like your outbound is really effective and you just need to like scale one of those two up. But like, if you have nothing outside of like founder led sales, it's really challenging to make paid be that gap between uh, you and growth. Cause it's just typically too expensive because you don't have like, you don't know the proper positioning. You don't know what messaging is actually resonating. You don't know like what the, you know, price point that the market is going to find acceptable and interesting you don't know those things and it's really expensive to use paid to find those out. And so, um, you know, I, I typically think that, you know, when companies are in that scenario, uh, what we really advise now is like, make sure that, you know, you have those foundations in place. You have a couple programs up and running because otherwise it'll just be too expensive to just do paid. Like paid will still work at a certain level, but it's just going to most likely be too expensive for what you need right now. And I would imagine if they've got, uh, you know, one or two sources of inbound and they're seeing some deal flow come in or some signups coming in, they're aware of things like what their churn rate's going to be, what their retention rate's going to be. They're able to do some customer digging and find out like, why are people churning? Are there like improvements we need? Like si- similar to kind of the idea of like, 
you want your website to be as tight as possible because if you're going to spend, you know, send a ton of traffic there, you want to be making the most like resonating with the most clearly and things like that. So yeah, it's all, um, all makes a ton of sense. All right. Awesome. This has been super fun to chat through. Um, we'll wrap up with a couple, uh, light lightning round. I think I keep saying rapid around lightning round questions. <laughs> um, all right. I've been asking people to give me, uh, your three desert Island metrics. Um, if you could only track three in your case, uh, it's obviously going to be narrowed somewhat to what you do. So for listeners, if they could only track three and they're implementing your framework, what, what are they tracking? I would track, uh, total, like, uh, qualified conversion volume I'd track a uh, qualified pipeline and then I'd track closed one revenue. Those would be like the three things I'd be looking at throughout the funnel. Awesome. Finish this sentence. Uh, open-ended however you want to answer it data is malleable i think you can get data to tell a story that you want it to tell and you can get data to tell a story that you know like you can move data around so i think just aligning everybody on like the data that is important and that it's like quality data and that's like you know you don't have garbage in garbage out i love that no one's ever given that answer and i love it <laughs> um all right Number three, your number one tip for B2B leaders who are trying to drive more predictable performance quarter over quarter, year over year. Have a program in place to um, consistently hear customer insights. So whether that's a customer interview podcast, whether it's a customer advisory board, whether you have to uh, pay $100 to get a customer sit in on a meeting and you do that twice a month have a consistent way to understand what your market is thinking at all times, because that will inform all the other areas of your strategy. Amazing. You're killing these lightning round questions. What a good way to end the, the interview. Blake, thank you so much for coming on. Um, all right, let's start here. So all the call to actions and stuff. So where can people go work with you? What kind of clients do you take on? Where do you want them to go learn more about uh, working with you? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Yeah, so best place to find me is just on uh, LinkedIn. So just Blake Strozik. There's two of us. I'm the one with the yellow background in Bull Media. Um, so you could either just check me out on LinkedIn or you could just check me out at bullmedia.io. We work with um, B2B companies. I would say more early stage, but we actually have kind of a gamut of B2B companies work with right now. And we really focus on helping them get from that zero to one with their paid programs. Okay, awesome. Um, and then follow you on LinkedIn for thought leadership. Are you anywhere else? Is there like, are you on Twitter at all or anywhere else you want them to go? We'll link to all these in the show notes. Uh, yeah, j just LinkedIn for now. I've thought about Twitter, thought about TikTok, but bandwidth for LinkedIn is already <laughs> sort, sort of pressed and so just LinkedIn for now. Okay, awesome. Yeah, a common answer here. All right, Blake, thank you for coming on and thanks everyone for listening. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, check out our other episodes or subscribe to get new ones. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone. And if you want a tool to help you track and improve your business performance, try Databox free at databox.com.